Turn with me over to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis. We're going to look at chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Genesis chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. The title of the message is Built Different. I'm continuing the series that we've started. Subtitle, Abram, the Tone Setter. Would you please stand as we read the Word of God? Genesis 12, verses 6 through 8. Abram passed through the land as far as the side of Shechem to the oak of Moreh. Now the Canaanite was in the land. Verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Verse 8, then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Lord, help us as we study your word and help us to live, look, and love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Three areas I'd like to talk to you about regarding this passage. One, what it means to build altars. Two, what it means to pitch tents. And what it means, three, to call upon the name of the Lord. Abram was an amazing human being. One of a kind in all of history. Everybody that he knew, everybody that had gone before him in a generation or two, had become idolaters. The Tower of Babel preceded the dispersion of the human race, and he was a part of that dispersion. He left Ur of the Chaldees. In fact, put the map on there if you could. He left Ur of the Chaldees, which is someplace we would now know as Iraq, and then went to Haran, which is somewhere around the eastern part of Syria or the western part of Lebanon, as we would know it today. And from there, he went down to the Promised Land because God told him, I want you to go where I will send you, and through you, I'm going to bless everybody who ever lives. My promises, my word are going to come through you. Obey me. And what's amazing about Abram is this. The man didn't have a Bible. He didn't have a church. It was just him and God. And it's not like he had a background from which he could pull and say, well, I know how to hear well. I know what it, what it sounds like to know what God, how God is speaking. We don't have any record of that at all. He was a part of the chaos that resulted in the Tower of Babel. Everybody know? Tower of Babel, everybody was trying to do all things together. And the Lord said, what they desire to do will be accomplished because they are so unified. Therefore, because what they want to do is not what I want, I've got to go down and figure out how to stop them. And so he decided to confuse their language by giving them all different tongues, different ways of speaking. And so one day they showed up and somebody spoke in a language they never heard before. And so they, they dispersed all over the four corners of the earth. Abram was a part of that dispersion along with his father, Terah. But in the midst of the confusion, God speaks. Listen to me, whatever there is confusion around, tune your ear to the spirit. Don't let the world set the tone for how you ought to be in your own soul. God is trying to communicate to you. He's trying to get your attention. And in the confusion of the world, when things are going really well, sometimes you can just float on down the river. I'm just in the current and everything's... But when confusion happens, when chaos is occurring, God gets your attention. He said, what is... What is and, and, and rather than us trying to fix stuff, we need to point upward first. Say, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? This is the way Abram must have been, even though he was probably an idolater before the Lord spoke to him in Genesis 12. We do know this, that he left and obeyed. He heard this voice that was clarion in his soul. 
And as a result, God said, I'm going to bless you. The Lord wants to speak. Now, we have his word. We've got 66 books of the Bible that help us understand how he talks, how we should respond, what it looks like to serve and worship him well. We've got a template of people who did wrong and kind of are the example for us not to do that. And then people who did right and said, oh, I need to follow that example. We have so much. Abram had nothing. Nothing. He didn't have a relative who served God, not a grandpa, not a great-grandpa. I don't know where he found the, the stuff on the inside, but I'm convinced that even though he wasn't born again, because a born-again experience can't happen until Jesus rose from the dead and gives it to us, there was something about him much like Noah, something that God had built differently. God had wired him in a way to be able to hear well. And in the same way, I don't know how in the world I got right with God. I have no idea. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have gotten right. I was in the wrong way. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about? You're going the wrong way, doing the wrong thing. You weren't in church. You were at the bar. You were at the club. You were at the Beyonce concert the other night. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. By the way, I like it. Uh-oh-oh. I like it. I like it. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Most of it. Some of it. A little bit of it. <laughs> but all of us were going the wrong way. How did we get right? The residual presence of God. Something on the inside. The Lord was able to use, whether it's a circumstance or a word we heard when we were young or a song we sung or something we were built different. And as a result, we were able to hear things that others may have heard and said so. And all of a sudden, we were convicted deeply. And we thought, I got to change. I, I, can't, I can't keep living the way I'm living. I can't explain it all. I just know anecdotally what happened. People were around me. My roommates were around me. But I got right. They didn't. I realize there's something different about me. And people who serve God, there's something different about you. It doesn't mean that you are any more right than anybody else. It just meant that somehow or another, there was a, there was a certain key that God could use to get in your soul. And it made you do things that others would not. And I want you to know that as a result of that kind of architecture, you must now do many more things that others will not. Because you are built different. You're not like everybody else. You are not. And don't you let them pull you into their mold. Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the mercies of God. Romans 8. Do not conform. Do not uh, do anything but offer yourselves as living and holy sacrifices. Pleasing and acceptable to God. Those two passages, if you don't know nothing else about scripture, those two will help you. Romans 8.1, Romans 12.1. Those two will help you. What you need to offer and how you need to be transformed. We shouldn't be like everybody else. And as a result of us being built differently, not just, not just being able to receive what God has to say, but then the construction that he does on the inside after we hear what he says. I don't 
think like the rest of the world. Sometimes, that, 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 that doesn't mean I don't sin. That doesn't mean I don't blow it. But it does mean that I am bent differently. I'm thinking kingdom. Oh, I got a friend of mine. Whew. Roy Watson. Been in this church for over 25 years. He's a different dude. You, you don't know him, but he's just a different dude. And there are a bunch of people I could comment on. It's not like he's singular in our church. He's one of many, if you will, one of David's mighty men. So this dude, before he knew me, he got born again in Kansas with his dear wife, Gail. Got a part of a church. That church said, we're moving a church to Dallas. We're going to plant a church in Dallas. And we'd like you to come with us. He said, okay. He was not a pastor. He just had a job. But he felt like it was important for him to be a part of what God was doing because he was built different. Other people would have said, well, where am I going to work? Uh, where, I mean, I got, a, I got a business here. I got a support. I got employed. He packed up and left. And then those same people in Dallas a few years later said, we're going to go to D.C. We're going to plant a church in D.C. Roy said, I'm there. Not a pastor. Just an employee. Came here. No job prospects, got a job, started a business and, and garage door, and now is a very successful GC in construction. Before he came to be with us, he was with another congregation. And that congregation merged with us 25 years ago. And he said, I'll come there too. <laughs> what makes a man here like that? Why is it amazing to you that he does? All he is is an Abraham. You know Abraham wasn't ordained. He was a businessman. Why is it amazing to us that Roy Watson's example is not ours? Why are we thinking, who does that? You move for a church? Most people move for a job. They move for a school. Not mad about it. If kingdom's in it, I'm happy for you. But if kingdom's not and you're prioritizing something other than, do not be conformed to this world because you are built different. And there are so few of us that are built different. Most of Christianity going to heaven but conformed to this world. So they don't do much here. They don't bear much fruit. They don't win anybody to Jesus. They don't participate in prayer. They don't have a really good devotional life. But they're going to heaven. But they aren't very good disciples. They don't follow Jesus where he leads. They pretty much say, I'm going to add this addition of Christianity to my house. It's going to be like a sunroom. <laughs> I got a sunroom on my house now. But all the rest of the house is what I do when I want to do. But when it's time for me to cry out to God, I'm going to go to my sunroom. And I'm going to ask him to help me for whatever I need. But the rest of the house, that's my business. That's the way we treat our God. God, help us. He is not to be compartmentalized. He is to be Lord over every area of your life. Abram comes into the promised land. God says, you're here. This is the home. This is the place where I'm giving you. And the first thing he does, you know what we would have done for the most part? Conform to the world? We would have called 
a, 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 a home, home builder. Yep, I got a piece of property. Uh, I need a house. All these people are with me need a house. He had a bunch of folks with him. It wasn't just him and Sarah. It was probably a couple of thousand people. Just take my word for it, please. I don't have time to go into it. A couple of thousand people. Yeah, we, we, need, we need a huge construction moment to, to build a bunch of homes. Uh, please come in. If that's the place where God wants you to be, that's what we're thinking. Instead of building his house, it says he pitched his tent and built his altar. We do it the other way around. We build our homes and pitch our altars. We make our altars temporary. We make our lives here in the world permanent. Though the life we live here is temporary. Nothing about it is supposed to be that around which we bring our security. Everything about this world is passing away. And the only thing that we can anchor ourselves to that makes any eternal sense is our God and his will. And for some reason, our conformity to this world does not allow us to prioritize well. And what's most important to us is how we can make a living, our education, and what it means to rise up the corporate ladder. Abram said, what's most important, when I, when I hear God and I know where he wants me to be, I'm going to build an altar. I'm going to build an altar. He constructed something. And building altars has a sense of permanence. Let me, let me tell you what an altar looks like in our day. This is an altar. Grace Covenant is an altar. It's a place at which you can learn how to worship and worship actively. Whether it's in service, whether it's in finance, singing, Worship through hearing the word and saying, Lord, I don't just want to hear, but I want to listen so I can obey. I don't want to be that guy that only hears your word and doesn't do it. I want to be the guy that hears and does, because the guy who hears and doesn't do it is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the storm came and the rain came and the, the flood rose, the, the, the house was greatly destroyed. Yet the man who heard and did... He built his house on the rock, and when the storm came and the rain came and the, the, the flood rose, his house stood. He lost some shingles. Doors probably came off, windows busted, but he was able to live in his house. He was dry. I, I can't tell you how many shingles I've lost on my house, how many doors I've had blow open. But as I was holding on in the midst of a tornado, <laughs> I was grateful to my God. For allowing him to let me build right. And I didn't just show up in church to hear and feel good. I showed up so I could figure out how to order and, and, and structure my life in a way that allowed him to be glorified. This is an altar. Another altar is your devotional life. If you have one. I want you to have one. Maybe you don't know what that is. That's when you get up or before you go to bed or sometime you set aside some moments where you read your Bible and you pray. And it's not just about praying where you're talking to God. It's about praying where you're listening to what he has to say as you're reading your Bible. It's communicating with him. It's not a monologue from you to him. You aren't that good a company. <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> our, our minds don't think like... You ever... 
You ever tried to carry on an adult conversation with a two-year-old? That's us and God. He knows infinitely more than we do. And we think we can script to him our plan of life. Listen. Let the word begin to define how you relate to him. With humility. With deference. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. A devotional life that's regular. I'd love for you to do it every day. But if you can't figure that out, every other day be good. Be good. And, 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 and you figure out how to get regular with it. That's an altar. Your family life ought to be another altar where you are presenting your obedience to God about how you love your spouse. And when people walk through the front door of your house and over the threshold, all they sense is the kingdom. Kingdom. You recognize this house is built different. Not just the walls, the people the people. And when people are built different, they build different. This is why Abram came in and said, I'm going to build an altar. I'm going to pitch my tent. I'm going to prioritize my God. If he wants me to move, I'll be ready. But I want you to know, this is a place where I'm going to worship. I'm going to find my God in this spot. Now, back then they believed that in large part, that God was, was, was big. Abram believed, knew, and God, God was God of the whole universe, but that he showed up in different spots on the earth, and that if you saw him or heard him in a spot, that's a place where he would regularly frequent. And so altars were built where he showed up. I think he showed up this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I think he did. I, 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 We spent 45 minutes. <laughs> Ain't no apology, bro. We spent 45 minutes worshiping God. How about that? And I realized, guests, he's right. That doesn't happen every week. But I'm not mad that it happened. Listen. <clears throat> I said I'd be short, and I'm. Mm, mm, mm. If, if you love somebody deeply, you don't have a 20-minute date. I realize we have to do what we got to do. We got some things that have to happen in the service. We're trying to get you out before your kids go crazy. I got it. Or our children's workers go crazy back there trying to keep your kids. I got it. And, 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 and generally, that's the way we structure our lives here. We're, we're an orderly people. But every once in a while, you just got to break out of the religious mold and say, we construct altars for this. And I'm going to close. As he built his altars. It says he moved from Shechem down to Bethel and Ai. And in between those two towns, is the map on the screen? No? In between those towns, did the map ever appear on the screen? Yeah. 
Okay, there it is. So you see Bethel and I, I love the AV people. Somebody shout out and say good job. So between Bethel and I, he built a second altar. And Shechem is where God first spoke to him. But he just kept going because he realized God's given me more than just where he said, where he spoke to me. He said he's given me this land. And so I want to figure out what are my borders? How far do I go before I'm out of bounds? And so he just kept going. And then the Lord spoke to him again. And he built another altar. This is a man who was trying to figure out every place where I establish, where God is, is blessing, where he has spoken, where he has done something in my life, I want to commemorate it with a moment of worship. And, and, and so the, the, the opportunities that we have to be able to serve our God with whatever we've got need to be regular and sometimes more frequent than regular. Sometimes they need to be spontaneous. Lord, you did something. You gave me this job. I want you to know I'm grateful. And I'm going to set up an, a, an altar in my heart that thanks you. That thanks you for my job. And doesn't get mad when you don't like your job anymore. Because you prayed for that job. You asked God for that job. He gave you that job and now you're mad about that job. Be careful. Be careful. People of Israel wandering in the wilderness had no food. Every morning, God said, for 40 years, every morning, God rained down this stuff in the morning called manna. And the reason it was called manna, because it had never appeared before. And when the Israelites came out of their tents, they looked at it and said, what's that? And that literally means manna. What's that? That's what it means in Hebrew. What's that? And he said, what's that? And Moses said, that's, that's your bread today. Take it up as grain. Grind it. You can make bread every day. Really? Every day it's going to appear? Yeah. For how long? As long as we're out here. Do we have to stay here? No, it's going to follow us. Wherever we go, this stuff is going to follow us. Now, Sometime around a year and a half, two years, we think, and in Numbers 11, the people say, Moses, we are tired of this manna. We want meat to eat. <laughs> wait, wait, let, 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 let me get it straight. You don't have land to plant, so you can't get crops. Barley, wheat, you can't grind grain in order to make bread. And the Lord has decided to do something for you as a people that he hasn't done for any other people in the history of the world by bringing grain in the morning, if you pick it up, and you can grind it into bread. And you are mad about God's miracle of provision? Is that what you're telling me? You're upset with God, and you're calling this manna, literally, this miserable manna. Never get mad about God's provision for you. God's answer to the Israelites was this. Oh, oh, you want me? I'll give you me. I'll give you me. It says he sent quail in, and, and the quail were, were, were flying about five feet. And there were enough quail to feed two million people. And he said, I'm going I'm to have this quail be so abundant that it's going to come out of your nose. You think you hate manna. 
you'll be throwing this up. That's what that meant. That's how much you will hate the meat I give you. It's important that we are grateful for whatever the Lord does, grateful for how he provides, and use these opportunities as altars of worship to thank him for even the moments when we don't like what's going on and what we asked for. Are you listening to me? Because you're built different. You're not a complainer. You're not a complainer. You're you're not always mad when you don't get what you want. You worship when you don't get what you want. Lord, I thank you. You didn't give me what I wanted. I went to, I'm going to close with this. I went to Indiana University. There you go, my Hoosier man. Went to Indiana. I transferred from a school called Bethany College in middle of Kansas, played football for three years. Transferred to Indiana, chasing after my girlfriend, ostensibly saying Indiana had a better dentistry school, give me an opportunity to get in. I was supposed to be a dentist. My dad was a dentist. I would take over his practice, whore. But it was really for my girlfriend. <laughs> she was at Indiana singing, and Indiana's number two behind Juilliard in the country for vocalists. She's amazing. And I went there, and within two and a half months of getting there, I get right with God. I mean, just like radically saved, radically saved. And my girlfriend didn't want anything to do with it. And I was saying, God, can't you bring her along? Can't you help? And, and, and within two weeks of me getting saved, I had to say bye. I said, baby, I'm, I'm going this way. I'm going to, and I was kind of depressed. I thought, Lord, I came here. I, I, this, I can't, couldn't this be a tag along? I mean, why, why do I have to give? And then I kept going on in God for a few years, came here, got, got, Involved in ministry in the church and helped start this and, and, and did Howard University as a campus minister. And, and Howard University is, 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 well, most HBCUs are infamous for their male to female ratio. Uh, it, it's terrible. I guess good for guys. <laughs> I guess good for guys. But there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 1, female to male. Howard University was the best at 6 to 1. So out of the 7,000 students that were there, 6,000 were female. When you build a campus ministry, you can only build it with the available personnel. And so I had a campus ministry that had a whole bunch of ladies in the thing. And I realized I wasn't that bad looking. So I'm not quite sure why they were there. I don't think, they may not have liked Jesus as much as they like me. So I went out looking for help. I said, I need some woman who can help me. This woman answered the call. As I close, I wish I had a mic to drop. As I close, thank you, Lord, for not answering my prayer. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And lastly, Abraham, it says he called on the name of the Lord. It's not just that he called and said, Lord, I need you. The word they're called in the Hebrew means proclaim. He was built different. It says that they, he, he stopped at Shechem by the oaks of More, the oak of More. It happened to be a huge tree that everybody could identify as being a landmark. But it was surrounded by a, an entire oak grove, a forest of oaks. 
And it says the Canaanite were there. And the Canaanite were kind of animists. Worshipped trees, worshipped nature, worshipped anything other than the true God. Abram set up an altar right at their main tree where they came on a regular basis to worship. He set up an altar to the Lord and he began to proclaim who God was, not only to the heavens, but to them. I never looked at Abram as a preacher, but he was. And then he called on protection because he realized I'm in foreign territory. None of these people know who my God is. When we understand what it means to live in this world well, we will build altars. We will temporarily push, put ourselves in the position of looking at this world as being that which is, which is here today and gone tomorrow, can slip through our fingers. We put no trust in it, not in our job, not in our money, not in our relationships. I, 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 I've been with people for 40 years, but I trust God more than them. And I need them to trust God more than me. Because if you trust me, I mean, you got to trust people a little bit. But if you trust me more than God, if I blow it, your faith is really messed up. You just tank. Ah, we know them preachers. I knew it. I knew he wasn't right. I ain't going back to that church no more. People are human. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. The only one we need to put our ultimate faith is in God. That's where my anchor is. Everything else is temporal. And then lastly, we're built different to proclaim who he is in the world and to make our altars examples of what people ought to do on a regular basis. This is how you ought to serve well. No, I'm not going to participate in that gossip regarding my supervisor at work. I'm not. I'm not going to rebuke you all day for doing so, but I'm not talking bad about him. I'm not talking bad about him. I'm not going to do it an altar of worship where your obedience can be seen. It may be somewhat offensive because obedience always requires a, a cross. It always requires some nails in the hands to do what you don't want to do. But it's important that other people understand what the sacrifice is that you are making to obey God and to serve them well. This was Abraham. He was built different. And as a result, he built. Builded stuff. Built. <laughs> He was built different, therefore he built different. This is a sign that I've talked too long. <laughs> Let's pray. Daddy, I love you. Thank you so much for what you're doing. I pray you would help us to be different because you built us different.